Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Civil War podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we swore to the people it would be less than a month until we came back to see them again. And here we are. It's been a month. How, how have you been? How's, how's life? Are you the north or are you the south? Uh, careful, but south. <laughs> I think you better be careful. <laughs> how that works. I don't know. I mean, it's a, you know, a little bit of a geographical situation with the ACC, but not entirely. So, uh, you know, put it that way. Continue. Mike, the people know that, especially when we get to the offseason, that there is no better timely source of ACC news than this here podcast, which is why we felt that the time was right to come back and mention that three and a half weeks ago, uh, like four days after we last recorded, the ACC's spring meetings happened, I believe. Was it, I think it was somewhere in Florida, maybe. Um, sounds nice. I would have liked to have been there just you know, for uh, football-related reasons. But in any case, uh, the, a lot of the administrations you know, for all the ACC got together. And that was around the time that some combo of Brett McMurphy and Ross Dellinger got together and pointed out that the ACC had a group referred to as, quote, the Magnificent Seven, which, by the way, there, I think there was a movie like 40 years ago called that, and then they like remade it a few years ago with like Chris Pratt and was it was it Denzel? And I don't know. There was, there was some group a few years ago. It was, it was a fun movie, cool movie if you ever watched it. But the ACC's Magnificent Seven were Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, NC State, Virginia, and Virginia Tech that made up the Magnificent Seven who basically like – Put it on Front Street. We are looking at the ACC's grant of rights and, and trying to assess it for how can we get out of this. Basically, as, as college football's conference realignment stuff goes on over the last couple of years and has kind of the, a lot of the discussion has continued into this offseason, these schools came out and said, we are looking at trying to find our way out of the ACC despite the fact that we put this whole restriction on right around the time Maryland left 10 years ago. They are trying to get out earlier, find a way into the SEC or the Big Ten. What was your initial reaction when you heard this news come out uh, on May 15th, four days after we last recorded, Mike? I was not very surprised. Um, you know, maybe I'm surprised by a couple teams on that list, right? But I wasn't surprised that this was something that was happening. Um I mean, something had to give. The ACC's television contract is atrocious, right? So it's pretty bad. You knew that. So, as the college football landscape continues to change, you knew that these ACC schools, especially the ones that have a lot of like power nationally, think like Clemson, Florida State on the way back, Miami is just a national brand, right? They're just a 
a school that just had, gets a lot of they're they're the Texas of the ACC, right? They get a lot of hype. Like you knew those types of schools were going to have their say one way or another. So is it surprising to me that you know there's a group of schools trying to exit the conference, right, and trying to find a way out and kind of dictate kind of where they're going to be moving forward no like that's not very surprising to me we saw ucla and usc do it you know we, we've seen the way the big tens expanded we've seen texas and oklahoma do it going to the sec so is it surprising me that these acc schools are trying to get out of this contract they have essentially the grant of rights it's kind of like a binding agreement but also like not really too binding you can find a way to get out of it no it's not surprising like you're going to you know if you're not going to find your way into one of those two conferences long term as it stands right now it looks like you're going to be left out right Mm -hmm. it looks like those are the two schools are going to be playing big boy college football and as of right now it looks like everybody else is going to be playing some sort of like minor league version of it Mm -hmm. now i don't know what that means for the college football playoff you know all that stuff is going to be you know we know there's expansion we know how that's going to be at least in the near term but these other schools like they're not going to matter as much, right? No. You know how we talk about the college football playoff and we always say, oh, is the SEC getting two schools in? Now it's going to be, oh, you know, in this expanded playoff, how many teams are the SEC and the Big Ten going to get in, Mm -hmm. right? Like, now you're playing with these at-large teams like, oh, they played a really tough conference schedule against some of the best teams in the country. How many schools are getting into a college football playoff from that conference? Yeah. The, now now you got two of those conferences. Say the, the, right? the model being, oh, it's a 12-team playoff. Six of them are conference championships. The discussion is not like, well, which other conferences are going to make up the other six at-large spots? No, it's going to be like Notre Dame, and then how many do the SEC get in, and how many does the Big Ten get in? Like That's, that's going to be the conversation. That's what we're staring down, and maybe – one other power conference, current power conference, gets like one other team right. in somewhere. Like it's right. Yeah, let's all just agree on right. what we're talking about here, right? Yeah, I, it's going to be. I mean, it's that's what it's going to be, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, for a long time, it was a fourteen playoff. Oh, does the SEC get two teams in? Now it's going to be a twelve teamer, and like you mentioned, Joey, six conference champions, and then you got six at largest, right? Mm-hmm. Notre Dame, assuming they keep playing top 12 football which they've been playing for like maybe not top 12 football but they've been playing top 20 football for almost 15 years now um so if they keep doing that like okay they're going to be in the mix and then you have these other schools and it really is going to be okay sec and big 10 right because what are the chances that you know another conference gets gets you know their school in with like a really good year Mm -hmm. Maybe they have to go 11 and 1, right? Maybe like in Oregon, for example, that right now is like sitting in like a defunct Pac 12. Like, oh, they got to go 11 and 1. Is that going to be good enough to get into the 12 teamer? Maybe, right? It would be a no brainer, like in the, in the current system, right? In, in, a, in a 12 team with like the current conference structure before all the teams go, before Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC, before UCLA and USC go to the Big Ten. Like, if the 12-team playoff started this year and a team like Oregon in the Pac-12 went 11-1 and in a conference that had USC in it with Lincoln Riley and, you know, up-and-coming Caleb, Caleb Williams and all that, they would be in the playoff. Mm-hmm. There would be no question about it. 11-1 will probably get in, right, mm-hmm. in a few years. They'll probably get in the playoff. But, like, you don't know for sure. Like, if you go 11-1 and one against, like, you're beating teams like Arizona and Arizona State and 
I mean, Utah's a good Utah's got a good program, obviously, but Kyle Winningham's not going to be there forever. There, like, there are eleven and one teams that have been left out, right? Like that's right. this has happened, right? Of Power Five conferences, it's, it's absolutely happened. And now you're going to be playing like a watered down conference schedule, right? Because you're not going to have some of the better teams on it anymore. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just using Oregon as an example, but I mean, you could look across college football, look in the ACC, right? Like an ACC without Clemson and without Florida State and without Miami, uh, LOL. Like, is is that really is that really like a power conference anymore? Probably not, especially if you take Clemson and Florida State out of the mix. Like, what is this conference? The ACC would be so devastated without Miami and it just unthinkable. Um, okay, so a couple of thoughts here. So number one, you know, we're talking about the idea of the ACC without a couple of these teams, right? And make a joke about Miami, you know, whatever it is. But I would say. So, so, so this story came out, right, that these teams are looking at how do we break the grant of rights? Can we get out? Can we you know, get an invitation to the SEC? Can we get an invitation to the Big Ten? Whatever. And then like a couple days later, Mike, I, correct me if, if you interpreted it differently, but my understanding is that a bunch of these other teams came back, you know, and half of the conference spent you know, billable hours on their attorneys looking at this thing, which is, as I understand it, is like a one-page document, maybe a two-page document at most. It is a very short, simple document. And all of these attorneys from all of these different places have looked at it and have kind of turned around and shook their head and shrugged their shoulders and said, yeah, I don't know, like airtight, like nothing. Like we got nothing here to, uh, to get ourselves out of this thing. So just the immediate feedback is like, there's no getting out of this. Like, yeah, I, there's got to be some like two thirds vote or something to totally like dissolve it. Basically, is the only way that anybody's getting out of this thing. As I understand it, unless I'm mistaken, I don't know. So, so here's the thing too, right? So, say it's as tough to get out of as as you mentioned, right? I know like the grant of rights with some conferences are tougher to get out of than others, right? But as far as the ACC is, is concerned, right, that was the reporting. It was like, it's going to be tough to get out of this. All right, so say it is. Say it is tough to get out of. What's next? Well, the ACC has got to do something about the television contract. Yeah. And it and that's tough too, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's not an easy thing to get out of either. There's a reason everyone's um, trying to get out of it now. Like, is because the TV right. deal projects to be... It's, it's currently not great, and it's going to get worse relative to the SEC and the yeah. Big Ten. You knew, that, you knew that the Big Ten television contract with NBC had to be pretty damn good if NBC was like, you know what, Notre Dame football, it's been great. You've been awesome. It's been great having you here, but we're also bringing other football teams to this network now. You knew it had to be pretty damn good because NBC, Notre Dame football was NBC and has been NBC for – the entire time I've been alive, right? Uh, 30 years, easily. Mm-hmm. Um, at and least. now they're expanding, at least, and and long, and long before that, too. And they're expanding now, right, with, with the Big Ten coverage. You knew the television contract was going to be goddamn good. You know? You knew it. Notre, Notre Dame, you're – first of all, using GD with Notre Dame is hilarious. Uh, Notre Dame, your games are great, but we really want, like, Iowa-Purdue on our network. We, we need that. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> Yeah, excellent. In like in like November, yeah, two six and six games, but you you scheduled it before the season, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, God, we got to play this game now on Saturday night in November. <laughs> we dug our own grave. Sweet. Here. Yeah, great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now I got to watch you know Brian Ferentz try to run an offense. Um, <laughs> sweet. But 
you listen now now this the next thing right so the grant of rights say it's airtight say it's tough to get out of now you gotta look at the television contract here's the problem with that though these schools looked at the television contract to begin with and said, you know, we got to go to a grant of rights. That's <laughs> but, where we got to go. I mean, that's, that's, so, that's what I was going to say is what, what you're talking about is basically in 2016 or whatever, when they agreed to this thing and they agreed to start the ACC network, it was a bunch of teams that all agreed to like lock themselves in a jail cell, locked the door and threw the key out the window. And now like four of them are looking at each other like, what are we doing? Like, I got to get out of here. And it's like, no, yeah. no, you are the one who locked yourself in here. Like, this is on yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, you know the television contract is bad, and this is, like, numbers aside, but you know the television contract is bad when we're still watching games on, like, Bally Sports, like, Raycom Sports. Shout like, out John Swafford. NBC Sports. Yeah, like, NBC Sports, but, like, not NBC, you know? You're watching on, like, the local NBC Sports Network, so you know? Bad. Like, here in D.C. Like, you're watching, you're watching, uh, yes, you're watching, like, uh, you know, Wake Forest play Duke, on the same station that like the Wizards and Capitals play on in DC, like that's how you know it's bad. On a Tuesday it's like in the February, ACC network, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like the ACC network was made <laughs> was made for like one thing. It was to broadcast games, and then for and some promote reason, the tax I shaver. can't watch the games. <laughs> yes, yes, tax shaver, and uh, there's a couple other things that were prominent there for a while. What flex seal or like what other? <laughs> Anyways, please continue, Mike. Sorry. Yeah, I... <laughs> No, point point being, like, this television contract is not very good, mm-hmm. and it's it's got a lot to do with the numbers, but also a lot to do with just, like, the product that is or isn't being put on the network. Mm-hmm. And I just, I struggle to understand why, if Virginia Tech is playing a game against, like, Liberty, let's use Liberty as an example, they've been a non-conference team on the schedule the last couple of years, Virginia Tech's playing a game against Liberty, and it's broadcast on, like, ACC Network Extra, which, this is an ACC football podcast. All of our listeners know what that is. It's basically like the online version of ACC Network, right? Except if you live in the state of Virginia, you can't watch that game. It's blacked out. It's blacked out. It's blacked out. Unless so you now have the we Comcast have... sports package or whatever. Like, Correct. And a lot of us now are streaming, right? I use mm-hmm. YouTube TV. I don't get the local... I don't get, like, the local... I don't get always get the local station that has the Virginia Tech game on, right? So I have to go to ACC Network Extra, which doesn't have the game. So I'm using a legal feed to watch the freaking Virginia Tech game. Allegedly. FBI, all right? Yes, <laughs> FBI, all right, hands up. Or you so, use a legal VPN to change your location to California, and you're allowed to watch it in California. <laughs> which is Hypothetically, <laughs> Scott. Hypothetically. FBI. FBI. There's so, no hypothetics behind it. They can come sue me. I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> so, I mean, it shouldn't be this hard to watch college football. Mm-hmm. Like, it shouldn't be this difficult to watch ACC football games, right? It should not be this difficult. And yet, somehow, these teams and these schools agreed to this awful television contract where nobody can actually watch their team play, and then the schools get nothing out of it from a revenue standpoint. Like, they're not getting paid like these other schools are. Big Ten and the SEC, it's like an arms race, right? All this money in college football. Meanwhile, you're stuck in an old contract where nobody can watch the football games. It doesn't make any sense. So these ACC schools, I'm not exactly sure what they're going to do, right? Because they went running away from the TV contract to get to the grant of rights, and they got to the grant of rights. They're like, oh, we can't get out of this either. I don't know what they're going to do. But these schools like Clemson, these schools like Florida State, these schools like Miami, who all recruit at a very high level, 
you could continue recruiting at that level until the money runs out, right? And they got money coming in. They got big donors. You know, everybody's going to keep pouring money into their football programs. But these big television contracts are going to be paying these Big Ten SEC schools a lot of money on Mm -hmm. top of their boosters that are Mm -hmm. already putting a lot of money into these athletic programs. You eventually start to fall behind a little bit. I'm not saying, like, doomsday at Clemson. That's not what I'm saying. But you are going to start to fall behind a little bit because you're not going to be getting that TV revenue that some of these bigger schools are going to be getting in the Big Ten and the SEC. It's just the way that it is. I want to get into that a little bit, kind of the the ACC's current deal versus the other conferences, you know, like the SEC and the Big Ten, like the the contracts that they have recently announced and undertaken. But one of the things I want to go back to, Mike, is something that you said initially, which was talking about, like, the list of the schools that were on this quote-unquote Magnificent Seven that was like, you know, you, you kind of raise an eyebrow at a couple of these, right? And and so, again, the list was Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, NC State, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. And I remember when I first saw this, I think the first thought that I had, and I tweeted this, was like, can somebody please explain to me what it is that Miami, NC State, and Virginia have in common that makes them, quote-unquote, magnificent? And basically the idea is that, like, again, you look at this, and, yeah, it's half the conference, but, like, the schools in this conference tend to be different enough, public, private, you know, valuing sports, uh, valuing like, uh, like uh, quality of degree. Like you know, there's a lot of stuff here. Again, how far South, how far North, like all this stuff that things just change that it's like, it's kind of weird drawing a line between all of these different schools. I feel like the, the, the best that I could do is, if, if I'm trying to compare all these schools, I think I could maybe say that all seven of these are about the only seven in the conference that have like legitimate national championship aspirations in either football or men's basketball. The one exception yeah. school I think that's missing here would be Louisville. But yeah. other than that, I could say that at least Virginia, you know, has recently won a national title in basketball. Virginia Tech is trying to win one in football, theoretically. Uh, yeah. UNC has one in basketball. Like NC State kind of, I don't know, like they've got their own like hump to get over basically to win any sort of national title, something or other. Clemson, Florida State, obviously in football. Miami, you know, has their aspirations in football, LOL. But like at, at some point, it's – I don't know. Just a, it's just a weird grouping, and and I'll tell you, you know, kind of the more that I've thought about this, and I look at this list of schools, Mike, I gotta tell you, if if you're a fan of one of these schools, my my official personal take on this, if you were a fan of one of these schools and you saw, yes, my school, NC State, said that they want out of this ACC television contract, so that you know so that we can be eligible to go jump to the SEC or the Big Ten. If that's what you are thinking to yourself, I would recommend that you are very, very careful with what you wish for because there are seven schools on this list, and there's I, I can't imagine that more than four of them have any legitimate like wishes to or legitimate aspirations to actually join either the sec or the big 10 i cannot imagine why one of those two conferences would look at most of these schools and think 
Yeah, that's something that we need to add as compared to the schools we already have. Like you're just diluting the pot at that point. You're not making it better on average. It's just adding more mouths to feed more so than adding more value to the whole thing. Yeah, it's kind of going to start to work. Now, it's not there yet, but I think we're trending in this direction until further notice. It's kind of starting to trend in a direction where you're going to have like 20 or 25 schools in a conference. Yeah. And at that point, it's almost like you're playing like Notre Dame's independent football schedule for a long time. You know what I mean? Where it's like you're just playing a bunch of good schools and then you're just going to see where the chips fall at the end of the day. Right. You quickly get to the point of like, what is a conference? Like, what's the point? Yeah. Right. So. We're not there yet, but we're starting to trend in that direction with the SEC and Big Ten, obviously, specifically. And I tend to agree with that take that you just had because, you know, be careful what you wish for, right? Virginia Tech fans, you know, they specifically have been saying, oh, well, you know, Virginia Tech was a candidate for the SEC like years ago. And it didn't, you know, it didn't work out. The initial round of expansion like Mm -hmm. 10, 12, 15 years ago, you know, Virginia Tech was a candidate to go to the SEC. You know, would that have been better for football long term? I mean, it probably would have been at the time because they would have had no choice but to put more money into it towards the end of the Beamer years when they just kind of started falling behind right after all they had all that success, didn't pour the money into the program the way they needed to. And that's a big reason, in my opinion, why they're at where they're at right now. So would it have helped them long term? Yeah, probably. But it's like the be careful what you wish for thing that you're referring to. Mm -hmm. It's like are you ready to go compete in a conference that has these teams? Hey, Big Ten, let's just remove the SEC. Like, NC State, are you ready to go play football in, like, the Big Ten against Michigan and Ohio State? And are you really ready to – are we going to do that? Penn State even? We're having conversations about decades since NC State last won 10 games. In the I, ACC – yeah. You're going to go do that against I the just, Big Ten, which has, you know, like you're saying, like much more robust top to bottom football programs, you know. Right. So I think that's one way to look at it, right? Just from a, a pure like wins and losses football standpoint, like is this going to be good for my school long term in terms of like advancing their hopes and dreams of winning a national title with these seven schools that we're mentioning? Like. Clemson's got national championship aspirations, but they've been there and done that in the last decade a couple different times, right? Florida State has national championship aspirations this coming season, right? Mm-hmm. And they're they're gonna we'll see if they realize those, but they're going to have a very good team coming back. Miami has been chasing after the early two thousands versions of Miami for twenty years, and they haven't really been able to reach that point till now right and they're hoping they're not gonna get there this year by the way i would argue they haven't gotten all that close right um they had one ten they had one that one ten win season in 2016 or 2017 and it was a little fluky (laughs) looking back on it we were yelling the whole time like they're winning games they're not that good (laughs) so so was cam he was also kind of he was yeah he was on our side (laughs) what that's worth hi cam he was really he was he was really excited about them winning all those games but then he would come on this podcast and you know what he would say this this isn't the national championship version <laughs> yeah. of miami though it's like and then yeah. they were reminded of that right they were reminded of that in the acc championship game they were reminded about that in the orange bowl against By wisconsin true freshman kenny pickett on 
Thanksgiving Friday or whatever it was. Yeah. I, yeah, I just totally glossed over that. <laughs> True freshman Kenny Pickett on Black Friday, and then you incredible. go in the ACC championship game, you lose to Clemson by a 1,000, <laughs> and then you go to the Orange Bowl, you hang for like a quarter, and then you lose that game by like a 1,000, right? And then Miami fans realize what Cam was talking about. But you look at these, you look at these schools, and really like outside Clemson, none of them, and, and Florida State won the, you know, right before the playoffs started, they won their last national championship in 2013. Outside of those two schools, like, no, none of these other schools on the list have won a national title in a really, really long time, if at all, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So now you're going to go to these two conferences, they're big-time football conferences, and you're going to be expected to, like, go out there and, and compete. And so that that's the wins-losses standpoint. The other standpoint is, like, we have to do this or else we die, and I get that, right? You have to you have to go do this. You have to go to the Big Ten. You have to go to the SEC the way it's trending, right? So I get that argument too. But then in terms of like the broader perspective, which you brought up off the top of like why these seven schools, the only thing I could think of, but then it does, you know, this list does not include Louisville, which I think it should, mm-hmm. is exactly what you said. Like football and basketball aspirations in terms of having their teams win a national title, right? Um, UNC right obviously a national championship caliber basketball program football they aspire to be that right with mac brown nc Which state is adorable nc state please continue <laughs> i i got plenty of unc jokes you know that <laughs> nc state virginia ha- NC virginia state. tech fans have no love lost for north carolina <laughs> none nc state is a lot nc state's a lot like virginia tech right where they aspire to be very good in football and basketball and they get there in one of the two sports most years right Mm -hmm. where they're like good right Miami just had a final four team right so Mm -hmm. the football jokes aside like just had a final four they have a very good basketball program and elite eight the year before if I'm not mistaken right right Florida State they've had a very good basketball program under Leonard Hamilton for years and years and years football program back on the rise we know what Clemson's doing. UVA, national championship caliber basketball program, football program, for as many jokes as we make about UVA football on this podcast, we think that they try to be good, right? They're trying They're trying to do something on the football field. They're not having a ton of success with it. And then Virginia Tech, kind of the same thing. They have the, the history with football and more recently basketball. I don't know why Louisville's not on this list. Mm-hmm. That's my big, like, where's Louisville? is my only takeaway if that's how we're characterizing, categorizing these teams. Yeah, Louisville looks like the one that like thinks they're part of the friend group, that they, they show up and everyone's doing an organized thing, and they're like, wait, hold on, what are we doing? Like, right. like somehow just got left out of the loop. I, I, I will say that I think that uh, Chip Patterson of the Cover 3 podcast and CBS Sports, he's, he's pretty well tuned in with kind of what's going on with the ACC, and I think he actually – made a really good point about th- this list of seven schools. And it's actually, it's like Florida State, and then it's three groupings of two that are kind of tied together. So you have Florida State, who, by the way, has a, a pretty young athletic director, if I'm not mistaken, and was one of the initial ones kind of uh, like kind of getting out on Front Street about this, like making a whole deal about it. And then you have Clemson and Miami, who, by the way, uh, Radakovich. Dan Radakovich, is at Miami, came from Clemson. Yep. Um, 
you know, it's crazy that, you know, that those are the only two ACC schools associated with Dan Radakovich that are on this list. There's, there's a third one that I, you know, I'll think about and I'll come up with eventually that I can't remember at the moment, but uh, I think I, I believe is in Midtown Atlanta that is just not really, really, you know, on this list anywhere. That's fine. It's not, don't worry about it. Um, you have North Carolina, North Carolina state. Imagine how those two are paired together. The two big public schools in North Carolina and you have Virginia and Virginia tech, the two big public schools in Virginia that are paired together. Right. right. So like, the, you know, it's, it's easy to see kind of how these, these schools are kind of grouped up and yeah, you end up with seven is these three sets of pairs plus, uh, plus Florida state. So in any case, um, I, I I'll say this too. Um, you know, we, 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 we talk about this, Mike, and, and actually let me, let me do this. Um, can I do a, a quick reminder about, section 103 and then we'll yes. uh, we'll get into so, some of this and by the way also as before i forget we have a listener question that came in by the way just you know totally out of the blue that we need to hit on before we get out of here so we'll we'll do that as well we have listeners that's good we <laughs> somehow <laughs> some way we do uh mike let's talk about section 103 real quick it is the internet's premier place for all things wonderful georgia tech apparel t-shirts sweatshirts hoodies uh, all things great. They, they have a lot of the performance t-shirts. You know, it's it's getting into the summer season. It is hot. It is sweaty. I'm wearing a performance shirt right now. It keeps me cool. Um, it, it is wonderful, wonderful wear for any time you're trying to go out and show your support for Georgia Tech. Thanks for men, women, children, something for the whole family. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order at section103.com. I know we have, uh, we have the season coming up. I mentioned last time, uh, real OGs, from Georgia Tech would know they have the new juniors grill shirt out. Um, that was something that, uh, and unfortunately they closed about midway through my time at school. But, uh, if you are an OG, you will know, you will remember juniors grill and, uh, they've got a shirt honoring and remembering that, that wonderful institution from, uh, the bottom of tech tower as it were. So, uh, go find that again, that is section 103.com. Use promo code go ACC for 10% off your first order. Uh, shout out to Steven. We, we really appreciate his partnership. By the way, I love some of these, uh, Ramblin' Wreck shirts. It's just a white t-shirt that says Ramblin' Wreck and like a beautiful script. It's, it's awesome. If you need something to keep you cool this summer, go get that. Yes, please do. Please do stickers, buttons, pins, all sorts of things there. Go check it all out. Um, Mike, let's, so, so I, I do want to talk a little bit about this, this TV deal and can, can I, can, mm-hmm. can I just ask one question? You may. Is so, it about section one of three? It's, it's not about section one of three. Okay. Shout out Steven. Shout out Steven though. Promo code go ACC for 10% off your first order. Yes. Use the promo code. <laughs> go um, Mike. So, you know, before we start, I was, you know firing up the Google machine, pull up the latest news, right, and all the news clippings, right, with the Magnificent Seven. Obviously, there was a lot of movie stuff thrown in there. So you got to type in Magnificent Seven ACC, right? Mm -hmm. But when you scroll down on Google, there's, like, the people also ask section, right, where it's like, oh, we don't have the answer to your question. You know, maybe you meant this. Um, The question was obviously referring to the movie, but it could refer to this conference as well joey oh yeah is there going to be a sequel to the magnificent seven (laughs) (laughs) so good question actually (laughs) great question um i didn't want to get totally sidetracked with what we were going to dive into with the tv deal but 
I mean, what what would the sequel be? Uh, uh, yeah, good question. Good question. I I don't know. Um, this reminds me of the Alliance. Remember we had the Alliance oh, during COVID. R.I.P. Yeah, the Alliance during like you're, you're coming out of the COVID. We were coming out of COVID, and the Oklahoma Texas stuff was being announced, and they were going to the SEC and. It was basically the like the Big 12 like is like trying to suck up to the SEC. And so the Big What's 10 was like, Alliance? okay, ACC, Pac-12, like, can we, uh, can we get some support? And we're like, okay, yeah, sure. And there you go. And so there was like a yeah. voting block, basically. of you, and UCLA and USC were like headed it up for the Pac-12. <laughs> They're like, yeah, Alliance. We're going to the Big 10. They, they announced like, yeah, we're going to have the Alliance. And everyone's like, what does that mean? And we're like, well, it's an Alliance. So just it, it is insulted, just <laughs> like, legitimately just insulted our intelligence is what it did. The least um, defined like nonsense. It was ridiculous. It Anyways, was the worst. Anyway, TV deal. Continue. Sorry. I so a couple of things here. So number one, one of the things that has been pointed out is that um, you mentioned the whole like Bally Sports, whatever like Jefferson Pilot game of the week, you know, garbage that yeah. we keep mentioning. My understanding is that that piece of the deal ends in the next i don't know two to three years like the whole like espn thing is is what it's carries through to 2036 but like the jefferson pilot john swafford special is is coming to an end in the, the foreseeable future so like yeah at the very least you know the, the remainder of the acc product that would have gone on that like goes back to espn you probably get some more money right. from that so that helps um but here's here's something else, you know, and I um, let's just you know, can we all just like take a knee here? Like everyone, just you know, gather around, take a knee. Like let, let's let's talk for a second about just kind of what what we're doing here. I I'll be real honest with you, Mike. Like and and, and you tell me, like, do you feel any different? I, I I look back and it was I think it was my senior year of high school, two thousand eight that uh paul johnson was you know first year at georgia tech and they went into athens and they beat georgia and Mm -hmm. between that and then my freshman year 2009 tech wins the acc championship that was like absolutely like the the genesis of my love for college football like absolutely lit me on fire for college football i started just diving into all these rivalries and the weird you know nonsense of just stuff across the country like i was all in on college football and i loved it you know obviously georgia tech of course but you know and of course the acc but even just college football at large i gotta tell you man like in the time since then with the the level of conference realignment and how much this has become about tv contracts and money and Who's going to survive and who isn't? And just like all the just, I'll just be frank, like all the bullshit that's just like associated with all this. I don't know that I have been less interested in college football at large since that time in like 2008, 2009 when I fell in love with it. Like I am, I'm like borderline burnout on all this garbage. Like, what are we doing? I, I, and ultimately my take is that. I feel like we're not that far off from some of these TV networks, just like straight off, straight up like killing the golden goose, right? Like, yeah, they think this thing will just continually make money and they're killing off the thing that drives the interest and it's going to just 
the t- the whole thing's going to implode. I kind of feel like is where we're at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I don't. First of all, I don't think that's a bad take. Second of all, like I think there is a level of professionalizing college athletics that I do think is a slippery slope right mm-hmm. now. I and I've come on this podcast and I still believe this, right? I've come on this podcast and I do believe the players should be paid, right? Yeah. I do believe that. Agreed. Um, I'm good with the one-time transfer portal rule because I think that there's, you know, there's an irony, right, and a hypocrisy where, you know, a coach can leave whenever he wants, but then a player who committed to that coach now is having trouble getting out of his scholarship. He's got mm-hmm. to now stay at this school that he signed on to play for that coach. So now he's got to transfer and sit out a year? That didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was all for that. And then you just kind of th- – Think about how NIL has gone because the NCAA couldn't get their ducks in a row with it. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. And it literally took <laughs> split zone duo was talking about this. It took like a California bill, right? Which we all make fun of California. And I thought they brought up a great point. We all make fun of California. Like, do they actually care about college football out there? I mean, they brought the bill right to the legislators in the state to get to enable the southeast basically (laughs) (laughs) to get these kids nil money and it's been uh, we've been on the nil roller coaster for the last two years ever since right it's been up and down up and down well that's that's a piece of it too right no for sure And, and it's just now we got tampering we got coaches recruiting players off rosters which should not happen and there was I, for all the talk about players getting paid under the table and all that stuff because all that stuff was going on before. I'm not naive to that. Neither are you. No, yeah. But there was there was less roster tampering then mm-hmm. than, than there is now. Flat out. I mean, there there's teams weren't tampering with other rosters like this with the one time. First of all, you couldn't because mm-hmm. the one time transfer rule wasn't in effect. You know, yeah. the players had to sit out a year and these coaches didn't know if they were going to be at this school in two years. Right. So, like, sure. Naturally, there was just less roster tampering. There just was. Yeah. And so to go back to your point, there's a professionalism now that's kind of permeating throughout college athletics. And the, a lot of the reasons why we fell in love with the sport is the pageantry, the fact that the Rose Bowl was not a college football playoff game. Right. Five, five, ten years ago. It was five years ago. Like, ten years ago, it wasn't a college football playoff game. We just liked watching the Rose Bowl. Yeah. The players liked playing in the Rose Bowl. They liked It was a big deal to win the Rose Bowl. It was a big deal to win the Rose Bowl. It's a big deal to some players now, right? But Mm -hmm. it's not really that big of a deal anymore, which is unfortunate because it's the freaking Rose Bowl, right? Like, these, these traditions, right? That we grew up, the big reason why we love college football is the tradition, right? And mm-hmm. it just doesn't matter as much anymore. The college football playoff was the beginning of this. That's what began to kill the sport, in mm-hmm. my opinion. If we're talking like larger, like scale issues, like yeah. the college football playoff is what began to kill the sport because all the television networks wanted to talk about was starting in like mid October was mm-hmm. top four, top four, top four, top four, top four. ESPN, because they're ESPN, and this is what they have to do to make money, and why wouldn't they do this? They had the whole they, contract. They had the whole contract. Oh, we have a sele- we now have like our selection show at the end of the year, and now we have college football uh, college football rankings being unveiled right on Tuesday nights 
beginning in beginning in early November. Like here comes the ranking. Oh, Monday Night Football. You can you know ESPN's got their Monday Night Football stuff. Tuesday, here come the rankings. Okay, which what, who's going to be the, the last top time you week? watched that show? By the way, Mike, I couldn't even couldn't even tell you. I because I I mean I have Twitter. I just look at it. I'm like, there's the top four, and then you and I come on here and talk about it on Wednesday night. When we're previewing the week ahead if an ACC school's in it. If not, we don't talk about it. I, saying, so I think it might have been like, the second week of the 2014 season, like the second time they ever did it. It was probably about the last right. time I watched it. Like, right. And I love college football, and I'm I'm the guy that, and I, now because of my Sports Illustrated job, like I'm the guy that has the like seven TVs going on Saturdays, and I'm following all the action. I got all this stuff going on, and I'm writing about it and all this stuff. Like, but even before I was writing. For SI, and I was just like blogging or just watching games like a fan. Like this was my Saturday. Mm-hmm. I just watched a million college football games. But Joey, this this off season, I have not really listened to a ton of college football podcasts. Right, and this is something that I do religiously. It's like my thing that I do. Like during the year, like I'm I'm listening to all these podcasts. Like I I listen to cover cover three religiously. I listen to Split Zone Duo. Right. I listen to Solid Verbal. Solid like, verbal I listen sure, to these yeah. podcasts, right? I listen to all these national college football podcasts, and in the off season, I just haven't been able to get mm-hmm. into it as much. And I yep. don't know if it's because obviously I have a kid and I got op- like work obligations and stuff, so I just like don't have the time. Number one, but like number Same. two, some of it is, and some of it is just like I'm burned out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like it loses its luster a little bit. Now the seasonal start, I'll be excited. I'll be watching all the games. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm walking away from it or something. But it's a little bit different for me now. Like yeah. it's not. It's just not the same. Like it's not the playoff. The playoff is just kind of it's ruined it a little bit. And now mm-hmm. it's just kind of getting progressively worse. It's all about oh who's who's getting this money from this school and which player is going here like. Oh, Jordan Addison's leaving Pitt for you. He's transferring to USC. Oh, but can the NIL donor at Pitt come through to keep him at the school? Who gives a shit? Like, why does like, this matter? Dude, like, and, and I yeah. understand why it matters, but it's just like, it's very frustrating. It's like, this is the headline now. I had to write at SI, the Jordan Addison situation specifically, and this is ACC related, so we got to talk about it. Like, the Jordan Addison uh, situation last offseason, it was like around the NFL draft, I remember, because I'm like, I was covering the NFL draft for SI. I was like, I can't believe this is breaking right now. I had to talk about Jordan Addison like transferring from Pitt to USC. Is the Pitt donor going to come through to keep him at school? Oh, Jordan Addison's denying the rumors. I'm just entering the portal. I might return to Pitt. Oh, but then he magically ends up at USC. Surprise, surprise. Why am I writing about this? Speaking of uh, Pitt transfer portal nonsense stories, did you see the thing like in the last two or three days of Deion Sanders – Saying, yes. uh, I guess Pat Narduzzi, Narduzzi. Pat Narduzzi, who's yeah. like the only coach in the Power Five who's willing to speak up and be like, "This is all garbage." Um, right. He had called out Dion specifically for some of the stuff that he was doing with you know kicking off forty-five players from his roster or whatever, which is just really over the top and all this stuff. Yeah. Dion came out and was like, "I don't even know who that is, brother." Pat Narduzzi has more wins than you'll probably ever have at the PF, at the Power Five level. I'll just be like real yeah. honest about that. Like, I, yeah. I will be shocked if this really is a long term successful thing for Dion yeah. at the Power Five level. Well, because he's like, because even if he does have grief. success, he's gonna get he's gonna get bored, right? I mean, yeah, 
he's just gonna get bored and want to do something I, else, like go well, somewhere and, else or whatever. I mean, I can't imagine a scenario where Dion's at Colorado for more than three years. Right, right, right. He's either gonna win and get hired elsewhere, or he's gonna lose and get fired, and that's it. Right. Like, it, it, you know, there's no, there's no other way about this. <laughs> and right. I don't know. Will he do better than Carl Terrell? Of course he will. Is he gonna be like this coach that's all of a sudden like, like pulling a Lincoln Riley and yeah. showing up, and now all of a sudden they're winning ten games again like, at USC again? Like, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's not gonna happen this year anyway. I have I have said it before on Twitter. I think I've said it before in this podcast. Like. There is so much of me that I, I feel like I don't like Pat Narduzzi. I don't want to like Pat Narduzzi. But, man, some of the stuff that he comes out and says, I'm just like, God, he's right. And I love it. He's and right. I'm so glad that he is willing to come out and say it. Like, I yeah, I admire that about him. And um, he keeps winning. Also, he does. He keeps he keeps winning. What can you say? And we'll have Jim Hammett on for our season previews <laughs> like we always do. And I'm not even going to be able to ask the job security question. Every year I'm like, oh, is, Pat Narduzzi, is, is his job safe? Is his job actually safe? We, I don't know. We can't ask that this year. I don't know what's on their schedule. I don't know who's on their roster. They're going to go eight and four, Mike. Like, that's, yeah, that's what they're going to do. Like, no better, worst, no worse. At, they're going to go eight and four. <laughs> I was going to say, at worst, they're going seven and five. Like, yeah. we know what we're getting with Pitt now. Like, this is. They're the ball. We're, we'll get to that. We'll, in a we'll get there. Shout um, out to Shane. We'll be there in a minute. Shout out to Shane. We'll get there. We'll we'll be there in a second, buddy. You talk um, about the professionalism thing, and and I think this is actually a really good point to make. Right? Is it's professionalism of college football, and really, like a good way of putting that is that we are we are starting. You know, we have sixty five. I guess now I don't know sixty eight power five programs. Now that we've added cincinnati houston ucf byu so maybe 69 nice college you know nice. power five programs uh we have like so much of like the national media is reducing the attention on those 69 down to like 20 if yeah. that like it's not even the entire sec and big 10 it's like portions of those and so that's that's again that's th this professionalism by the way mike you're you're an nfl fan right <laughs> do you like the NFL I mean, just in general? How many general, NFL games do you watch on a Sunday in the fall? I have Red Zone on, and then I, you know you know what I do, Joey. I have Red Zone on, and then we record on Sunday nights. I have Sunday night football on on one of these screens next to me. There you go. That's my extent of watching foot. Yeah, that's my football watching experience on Sundays. It is not what I do on Saturdays. Well, but my actual my actual question here, Mike, is. How many XFL or USFL games did you watch this spring? <laughs> Less than your NFL watching experience? They don't have red zone. So You like the I Red Sox, more right? NFL, Mike? Technically. I do. How many Pawtucket games do you watch? <laughs> not, not a ton. I I love the Braves. I watch them four, five, six times a week, you know, whatever I can. I have almost never watched a Gwinnett Braves game, the AAA team. Yeah. People are not interested in minor league football or minor league games, right. and that's what you're yeah. creating when the only yeah. thing that matters is the SEC and the Big Ten. Yep, that's uh, what you're doing. So again, what's the point? You're Which killing the, the golden goose. You are killing everyone's yeah. interest. Five, seven years ago, like I would, it was appointment viewing for me to sign up to watch Iowa-Iowa State in week yeah. three in Ames. Yep. Like it was the greatest thing, and now just the way that 
like talent is all just being funneled into a few different places and it's the sport yep. is becoming more and more predictable that kills off what made it fun and what made it interesting yeah. and it's just this this whole like can we can we get Clemson and Florida State into the SEC like for friggin what yeah for what it's boring it's exhausting i hate it and yeah. is some of this related to like, well, my team's not going to the SEC? Yeah, probably. It's probably somewhat related, but at the same time, it's again, there's almost 70 teams in the Power Five. Three quarters of them are being alienated here, and it this, sucks. This started at the the start at the macro level with the college football playoff, like we mentioned earlier, right? With the four team playoff, that's where it started. Then mm -hmm. we decided we were going to expand the playoff, which I understand why we had to do that because the reason why we had to do that, right, was because we had to fix the problem we created with the four team playoff. Let's call it what it is. We had we we created a four team playoff, became a problem because all we talked about was a four team playoff. So you know what the the fix was? Well, you created a the four team playoff with five power conferences. That was stupid to begin with. That was dumb like, to begin with. So, so what did we have to do, Joey? We got to make a 12 team now because we, we have to have this illusion to the fans, right? That, oh, it's not just four teams that matter. It's now these 12. Great. So now we but have to do eight playoff. because that's not enough open bids for the SEC and the Big Ten to get money from. Like, it's. Right. So now we have the SEC. So now the next thing, right, is we're going to have the SEC and the Big Ten. And now we're back to being like, oh, none of the other conferences matter. Because these are the only, like, 12 teams that play in it anyway, right? So we're just going to, like, stop kidding ourselves mm -hmm. and just put them all in these two conferences, right? And then the rest of college football can go F themselves because they're just going to be playing a different sport than everybody else, mm -hmm. right? Because of this – because of television contracts and because of, of presidents of – these TV networks that don't give a damn about college football. No. Let's call it what it is. They don't care. They've never. They've. They've probably never watched it. They've sure as hell a lot of them have never played it. Right? Not that it matters. I never played college football. You never played college football. No. We know more about college football than some of these TV executives do. They know the bottom line. They know dollars and cents. They know what's going to sell to advertisers. They know what's going to bring eyeballs to the television. Right on Saturday nights, like Notre Dame football. Right. Oh, Notre Dame's playing Michigan on a Saturday night. That's great TV, right? But there's a reason why they were trying to put, like, Notre Dame against, I don't know, uh, Tulane or whoever the hell. They, it was South Florida, I think. Notre Dame, South Florida. Oh, we're going to put that on Peacock. And they were wondering why the ratings sucked. I'm like, oh, hey, hey, over here. I know why. Because Notre Dame fans, they don't care about watching the game against South Florida on fucking Peacock. They don't care about that. Like... The regular college football fan, th this drives me insane. The regular college football fan that is, you know, taking in the entire sport. And I grew up, I grew up a Notre Dame fan. We all know this by now. We've been doing this podcast for seven, eight years, however long we've been doing this. Like, I grew up a Notre Dame fan. I didn't care to watch Notre Dame play on Peacock. So, you know what I did on that Saturday? I watched a million other football games, mm -hmm. right? Like, these watch TV execs else. don't get it. Yeah. These TV execs don't get it. They're thinking that, you know, Notre Dame's playing on Peacock, so everybody's going to go buy subscriptions to Peacock. Some people did, but then they see the numbers, and all of a sudden, that game didn't do very well on the streaming service. So, you know, if you really cared about that, right, if you really wanted to bring eyes to Peacock, then why isn't Notre Dame USC going to Peacock? Right. right? Why aren't you putting that game on Peacock? Hey, yeah. I know why. Because the TV execs had their head so far up their ass, they're like, you know what? I remember now. Like, that game... 
is really, really important for national TV, for national viewers. I was going to say. Like, it drives me insane. So they do the streaming service thing. They, they try to just bring all this money in. They're trying to sell for the streaming service nobody cares about. They just have their eyes on the wrong things because they don't care about college football. They care about dollars and cents, which is supposed to be a good thing for the sport because it's paying players. You're professionalizing college football. I like parts of it. And then maybe the I'm a little bit executed. hypocritical. I mean, it's the way maybe exactly. It's the way it's being executed. Maybe I'm being a little hypocritical wanting to pay the players and the transfer portal and all this stuff. Maybe, that's me being a little hypocritical, but when you have all this money pouring into the sport and just lining these executives' pockets, now all of a sudden I'm supposed to say, oh, these players can't get a cut of it when they're the ones that they're really bringing in all the money? It just – oh, it's exhausting. It is. I don't, and, it's, and I don't you know, know – I think about it like – again, if you're a TV executive trying to figure out this sport that you know you're not legitimately personally interested in – yeah. It's a very like non-linear sport. Like it's not like follow, like logic doesn't really work here. Like oh well, if you know a you know equals b and b equals c, then a equals c. It's not really kind of like like that. I think one right. of the most um, one of the most iconic games that I can remember that is one of the most fascinating again just phenomenal games that has ever been played <laughs> was a game. But I forget if this was in Morgantown or Pittsburgh. I'll, I'll point it out. You know to. Uh, you know, for all the ACC, you know, Pitt fans, it was like 2007, I believe, that like 11-0 West Virginia either hosted or went in and played Pittsburgh, who was like 4-7 and and wasn't going to a bowl game. It was the backyard brawl in West Virginia. All they had to do was beat this team that wasn't going to go to a bowl game, and they would have gone and played for a national title, and Pitt beat them. That is the kind of garbage that like makes college football just like the best, right? It's just this totally unpredictable stuff that happens on a week to week basis that is also just the most fascinating thing that like again, I've I've heard I, I remember hearing Bill Connolly talk about it. He's at ESPN, but he's like, you know, some of the best stuff that happens on a college football Saturday is when everyone's on Twitter and something happens and quickly everyone's like everybody get to ESPNU and watch, you know, what's going on in App State versus you know, Miami or whatever, like, you know, yeah. it's some game that App like state A&M sure. this past year. Nobody was paying attention to that until years. it's like, we should all be paying attention to this right now. Um, yeah. Why is, why is A&M only up six on app state in the second half? That's a little yeah. weird. Why like, is app state beating A&M in the fourth quarter? Yeah. Whatever it was. Yeah, um, exactly. So if that's just the nature of this, this sport and, and if you don't understand it, and if the more that we move away from this ability to have those moments, again, you're killing the golden goose. Um, and, yeah. and we're all going to lose interest. And, and, you know, that's, that's, that's what it is. I, here's, here's something I will say, though, Mike, that I, I've thought about. As we, as we talk about, and I, I don't want to, you know, it, it's exhausting, like doing this podcast and talking about TV contracts. Like it, that's not what this podcast is about, like even a little bit, but it has to no, be, I it's, guess it's, it's mostly making fun of Miami. But if you want, if you want something that's like maybe a little bit uplifting to think about this again, what, what we're talking about is the ACC's TV contract that runs for another 13 years. I think it's, it goes yeah. on for a long time. Um, Kelly Quinlan who you know writes for the Rivals site for Georgia Tech, jacketsonline.com. He's our friend. He's been on this, sh this uh, show a number of times talking about Georgia cool. Tech football. 
He'll be on it again. He will be, I'm sure. Uh, shout out to Kelly if you're listening. I, he He's made a point, and I've heard this point actually echoed a couple different places. Think about this. It, what is What are the odds that this long-term ACC contract that looks horrible right now actually kind of ends up being like the saving grace for most, if not all, of the teams in this conference? Which is to say that the money that the SEC and the Big Ten are getting from all these TV networks right now looks really good. But what are the chances that there's like a bubble here that is going to burst before the time that they are doing their next TV deal towards the end of the 2020s? And by 2032, all of a sudden the ACC looks really rich because these networks can't afford you know, these other conferences, but whatever they're paying the ACC is actually now premium money. It's something to just consider because it's stranger things have happened, you know, just in the history with economics of various different markets. I, the one thing that came to mind was like, I think Southwest airlines, I believe like was totally floated years ago when the price of oil completely blew up, but they had this like super long-term deal on gas that like looked horrible at the time. But all of a sudden, just managed to, you know, they, they survive. There's somebody's listening to this show, like yelling at their radio, like this guy's doing a terrible job of explaining this. But the point is, like, this long, long-term deal that looks terrible might end up. There's there's a non-zero chance that this thing ends up floating the conference yeah. ten years from now, and it's not a terrible thing. That's the first time I've heard that, and that's interesting. And as a related thought, by the way, since this whole Magnificent Seven thing, I'll bring this up too, there was an announcement by the SEC that they will not be going to a nine-game conference schedule as they add Texas mm -hmm. and Oklahoma. They will be remaining at an eight-game schedule. Now, is that actually because, well, we just have this really hard schedule and you know people can't take that extra loss and whatever? Or is that because they went to ESPN and said, well, we're going to give you an extra game every year from all of these teams. We're going to need some more money for that. And ESPN's like, uh-uh. We're good. We're we're good. Something to think about is how tapped out are some of these networks, especially with all the layoffs going on at ESPN, like I mean, not to mention the $120 million whatever they spent on the Pat McAfee show, but that's a different discussion. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah, half. I mean, it's like half a billion dollars, right? The Big Ten TV deal, I believe. It's like five hundred million. Mm -hmm. I mean, at some point, it's like, what are we, what are we paying for? It just feels like the bubble is going to burst at some like, point. But the ACC the, is locked in till the middle of the next decade. Like, yeah, I mean, man, we're paying five hundred million for Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah, that sounds really good. You're also paying five hundred million for Indiana, Iowa, Illinois, and Illinois, Minnesota, and, and <laughs> Minnesota. Like, and then you realize not many people are going to be watching that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does it does make you wonder, right? And maybe that's why they're like, we just got to get the best teams in the country in here and just like pray that those four or five games a year carry the entire. Which, you know, a lot of times they bring in. You know, 
millions and millions and millions of viewers and they make a bunch of money off like a handful of games and then they feel pretty good about where things are at right mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean it's a factor i i don't know i don't know i it's funny because i i had a pretty good idea that you know once the 14 playoff came i was like all right when is this going to expand and i just always assumed it would be eight and then went to 12 because of the power five thing that you joked about that's like was actually the issue <laughs> I, the I legit issue wonder how different would it have been how, how different would the world of college football be right now if they had started at eight right would they have needed to agree to 12 yeah I mean, who I think, would would there have been all the conference movements i don't know like right the thing too is like what's notre dame gonna do and that's like a whole different discussion but like what are they gonna do I mean, do they go to a conference? Like, what? This massive fish that continues to swim in open waters and, you know, the ACC kind of, kind of like has the, the hook in, in there, but they're not like actually reeling them in at all. And yeah, they're kind of swimming towards other conferences, but like they kind of can't fully get, I don't know. Yeah. It's a weird situation. And Swarbrick, meanwhile, their athletic director said, you know what? I think this is a good time for me to head out. I'm out. (laughs) Which I get that. I get it. And he's he's had to replace. He hired he hired Brian Kelly and then had to replace Brian Kelly with Freeman. And the jury's out there. They won the Gator Bowl. I mean, okay, cool. But that's not what Notre Dame's playing for. Right. So jury's out there. He had to replace Mike Bray. Right. The basketball coach. Mm hmm. So that's that's significant because Bray had been there twenty years. He was key in terms of the you know the call the initial college football playoff and then expanding it. He was key in those talks. He's had Notre Dame just kind of remain independent, but have this ACC deal that's netted them some money on top of their NBC contract. He's been a very successful athletic director at Notre Dame, but he doesn't want to see the next iteration. He's good. He, the only thing he didn't do in South Bend is win a national title for football. That's literally the only thing he didn't check. That's the only box he didn't check. And, you know, he had Notre Dame was in a couple playoffs under Kelly, right? And they were in that 2012 national championship game that they kind of lucked their way into and shouldn't have been in. But, like, he doesn't want to see the next iteration of this. And I don't blame him. And how many of these athletic directors that are, like, brokering these deals or, like, or just these ACC athletic directors, how many of them want to stick around? Like, these, these older athletic directors want to stick around and, like, see this. With Babcock. I think he's late, in his late fifties. Like, how how long does he want to stick around? Like, say Virginia Tech does come back under Pry, right? And Pry ends up being a pretty decent hire. Like, he's had a women's basketball team go to a Final Four. He's had a men's, you know, he's been successful in, you know, bringing the men's basketball program back. And say Pry works out for football, a big if at this point. But say he works out for football. Like, is Whit Babcock really going to want to stick around and like, like five years down the road trying? get Virginia Tech into, like, the next iteration of college football realignment? Is that something he's really going to be interested in? Yeah. Like, that's that's a question. Like, this is going to have a seismic – this has a seismic effect on the sport because a lot of these athletic directors do not want to take this on, right? Same. We put a lot into these uh, old white dudes that – yeah, I mean, Jack Swarbrick, <laughs> like, you, you've got your legacy set. Like, my guy, just go go live on a beach somewhere. Like, you're good. Well, you've done, you've even, done your work. <laughs> Okay, here's a here's a non-white guy example. Like Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, is like, oh, well, that's a very um, different legacy. <laughs> ma- massive television, ma- massive massive television contract check. Oh, um, only like eighty percent of the way disaster. done. <laughs> yeah, 
the whole COVID disaster, uh, mm-hmm. check. I'm out of here. I'm going to the Bears. See you later. <laughs> I'm good. I'm going to head out. I love like, that. I mean, that's the opposite end of the spectrum where, like, he got the conference and the schools kind of pulling in that one direction eventually <laughs> after COVID, right? All the schools were kind of pushing in the same direction. And then he was like, now I'm out of here. This is the dude that, like, joins your company, like, is involved in some really critical stuff and then bails. And then, like, a month later, you're like, wait, he didn't actually finish this stuff? Like, it's <laughs> it's only, like, two-thirds of the way done and, like, you're just, like, left yeah. to pick up the pieces. Yeah, shout out to Kevin Warren in the Big Ten. Um Good stuff. Can't blame him. I'd be out of there too. That's right. That's right. Um, all right, Mike. I don't know about you. I I feel better. I've, this has been a good therapy session on uh, the ACC's television contracts and how that it was, it was college football at large. Very therapeutic. A lot of ranting. I thought it was coherent ranting, though. Yeah. For the most part, I went on that tangent about uh, Notre Dame playing on Peacock. <laughs> But other than that, I thought we stayed on course. I I am a hundred percent certain that I am gonna you know go to bed here in a little bit, and then I'm gonna wake up in the middle of the night and have that one thought that I've been thinking for like three weeks and meaning to get out on the podcast, and I just like completely whiffed and forgot. Didn't do it. Pause. Before we move on here, Mike, um, the people watching the video might notice that I am now wearing something different. You're wearing something different. The lighting is different in our rooms. We're recording this like two days after the fact that we recorded the last show because it occurred to me like in the middle of the night, basically, like I said, something was going to happen. I realized in the middle of the night (laughs) that through all of the discussion that we have just given everybody, we never actually told people or or mentioned and kind of brought up the whole actual result of that uh, 14 team, the spring meetings that kind of resulted in this whole Magnificent Seven thing. So maybe we uh, quickly circle back and mention exactly what came out of that and how we feel about it. It's funny, yeah, because towards the end of the podcast, you were like, well, I'm sure we forgot something. <laughs> here we and are. sure enough. 72 hours later, here we are recording again. Mike, do not ever let anybody tell you that we come to this show unprepared or that this is an unprofessional podcast or anything like that. This is at its absolute finest. Yeah. Um, didn't we, <laughs> wait, real quick. Didn't we get a comment one time that was like uh, somebody called us unprofessional and we just basically responded by saying we never claimed to be? <laughs> we, yeah. I feel like we get that a lot. Yes. That a lot. <laughs> yes. Uh, Mike, the thing that came out of that meeting that we did not mention uh, that, that's kind of important is that we had mentioned on the previous show that there was some discussion about changing up the revenue sharing model um, and yes. finding ways to you know get more money basically funneled to Florida State and to Clemson and some of these teams. What they, I think part of what that sounded like was, well, you know, let's do what the Big 12 has done where Texas gets 30% of your TV revenue, Oklahoma gets 20%, and then the other 10 schools get to split the rest of it and you know, get like 5% each. And the, discri- the discussion and the agreement was basically like, that's not going to happen. Um, right. it, it's not going to go that way. Um, a lot of these schools, you know, Boston College, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, like they're not going to agree to that, uh, that just, to, just to try to woo and keep Florida State and Clemson in. What they did agree upon is a new revenue distribution model that will, quote, reward success based on postseason performance. And so specifically, this is for revenue generating uh, sports in the postseason events. So specifically, we're talking about the college football playoff and the NCAA basketball tournament. Basically, the way that that works right now is that if you make it, uh, there is a, a share of money that goes to your conference. And same thing with the, with the basketball tournament is if you make the second round, you make the Sweet 16, you make the Elite Eight, you know, whatever. There's, there's more money, you know, quote-unquote units that go to your conference 
that then get divvied up equally is my understanding. You know, that's split straight up 14 ways, you know, making it there versus having a team in your conference make it there does not make a difference in how much money you get. Right. The change is that now there will be a difference in the money you get based on if you are the team that actually goes and, and, and earns that money. Um, I, I don't, they have not given any specifics, so I don't know. I, I would be a little surprised to find out that it's like a hundred percent of the, the share now goes to the team that makes it there. It might be something like 50% of the money goes to that team and the other 50% can get divvied up amongst the rest of the schools. Um, they have not really given specifics, but Mike, how do you feel about doing this as a, uh, as a little bit of a revenue sharing change up, trying to get some more money for Clemson and Florida state. If you make the playoff, you make the, the, the basketball tournament, you make it further into the tournament. Uh, you get more money just purely from that, that aspect. Well, I mean, that's, that's the takeaway. It's that it's angled to benefit the top two or three football schools in the conference. Right. If we're talking strictly about the college football playoff, because I think, really for like a Clemson or a Florida state or like aspirational Miami, we'll call them like college football playoff is where they want to be. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, They get the money. They're the two or three best football schools in the conference in terms of like recruiting and kind of how they see themselves. Right. And, And the effort and energy they put into their football program relative to results right i know miami's results haven't been there but in clemson florida state's case especially like they've won national championships in the last 10 years right everybody else really is just hoping that they advance in the ncaa tournament right like their Mm -hmm. basketball teams are good let's call it what it is because the rest of the conference isn't really all that close to getting to a college football playoff in fact Mm -mm. like miami isn't really that close to getting a college football playoff Miami missed the ball game last year right so really this Need is like Clemson. <laughs> yes. So really this is like Clemson and Florida State and Florida State is kind of new to the party because Florida State's been down for down relative to what they were when they won a national championship about 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um they've been down really since Jimbo left, right? And they've been kind of chasing after that last couple of years of Jimbo, they slid a little bit. You know, they they hired Norvell after the Willie Taggart disaster. It's taken a little while, you know, for them to kind of get back to where they're nationally relevant. They have a Heisman Trophy contender, a quarterback entering a season. It's been a while, right? So even before, like, this coming year with the expectations Florida State has, it's really just been Clemson. Everybody else is really just hoping that they advance in basketball, right? Boston College is not going to a college football playoff. Um, NC State's got a good football program, but... Everything's got to fall right for them to make college football playoff. North Carolina, like, they're not making a college football playoff. At least they haven't shown that they can meet the expectations that they've set for themselves from a recruiting standpoint under Mac Brown. They're not making a college football playoff. So, like, this is really just angled at the cream of the crop football schools on the college football playoff revenue side of this. So that's... You know what your angle is here, I guess, when you're kind of creating this model. Like, the angle is to incentivize the Clemsons of the world, the Florida States of the world, in the ACC's mind, like, the Miamis of the world. That's that's who you're kind of trying to incentivize to stay. Because at the end of the day, like, those are the schools that you're wor- really worried about leaving. Yeah. I mean, a couple of thoughts here. Number one, I this is not – the dollar figures that we're talking about here – relative to these athletic budgets and even these football budgets is not groundbreaking. 
Like this, this is a, a fraction Fair. of what the money that everyone gets for TV. You know, this is a, a small fraction of what you make on ticket sales. Like that's fair. The amount of money that we're talking about here is not anything game breaking. It, it it'll move the needle maybe just like a little bit, but you know, really not not by much. It's Which nice leads to me have. into what's that? Like, it's like nice to have money almost. Yeah. Which leads me to my second thought, which is this kind of feels like something where a bunch of these teams got together and decided, you know, we're going on strike and, you know, we, we, we will be heard and we're going to do our thing and we, we're going to get we're going to get ours and get what we want. And then they all got together and realized, like, uh, uh-uh, there's actually nothing like really substantial that we're going to be able to do here. Right. And then they did this so that they could all everybody could all go back to their boosters and their fans and say, look, we won. We we got something. We did something. Yeah. It's like, no, you didn't. Like, you, you basically did nothing because there's nothing to do. But you know what this is? This is like learning from the alliance, right? There was that alliance in 2020 mm-hmm. we talked about like earlier in the podcast. We talked about the alliance and how it was kind of useless. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of the similar thing, except like you have some sort of output. You have like, I, I work in client service, right? You have like a deliverable at the end of the day that you can like mm-hmm. turn in and be like, hey, we did something. We accomplished something. That's all that this is. Right. Yeah, this is lip service. You know, Florida State being able to say, look, boosters, like, we're going to get more money now. I told you we would. And this is, you know, Georgia Tech and Wake Forest saying, look, we didn't give into them. I told you we wouldn't. Like, it, it's it's a big, like, nothing burger. Like, absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like, if, if you're hoping that this revenue sharing model from the postseason is something that's going to, like, woo teams to stay, I mean, I think that's just – you're kidding yourself. I mean, the yeah. – the, the whole incentive for conference realignment is centered around TV money. That's why mm-hmm. the ACC's TV deal, like we were talking about earlier in the podcast, is so pivotal in like it's these discussions deal. as to whether or not, yeah, big deal, like whether or not these schools are going to stay or not. Like they got to do something about the TV deal because mm-hmm. it was the whole like circle thing with the grant of rights we were talking about. Like grant of rights, it's like okay, we can't really get out of this. Let's go to the TV deal. Oh, we can't get out of this either. <laughs> what are we going to do exactly? Well, now what? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the TV money is what's driving schools away from their current conferences to the Big Ten, to the SEC. The SEC's TV deal with ESPN, the Big Ten's with Fox, and now NBC. Like, this is kind of the whole driver. And this is why when we went on our rant about the state of the sport and how it's being driven by, you know, television networks and CEOs that don't really care about college football, that's why this is such a big deal. Yep. Sure is. Mike, that's all I got on this. Any other thoughts before we uh, toss it back to the rest of the show? No, I'm glad we made sure to include this, though, because we're going to get into the season previews here soon, and this there was no really good place to put this, so we had to make sure <laughs> yeah. to talk about it. Important little addendum. Wanted to make sure that we included this and uh, did not let it go by the wayside and prove to you all once again just exactly how professional and, uh, and good at this we are. So uh, with that being said, back to the rest of the show. Enjoy. Yeah. But other than that, I feel really good. I feel like I got a lot of thoughts that I've been ha- trying to have, and I think I think they all kind of lined up and uh, they all you know work together. But you know, y'all let us know what you think. I'm at yeah. Mike McDaniel SI on Twitter. So and we didn't even answer the we didn't even answer a listener question. Speaking of which, Shane s- yes. sends us an email titled "Episode Fodder," and this is this is a really nice like palate cleanser here at the end. If you're still listening somehow and you're interested in actual ACC football, yeah. we have the question for you. Shout out to Shane. I'm assuming this is Shane Del Solar. Um, it could be, should be probably. 
Uh, who are your top three candidates? Uh, he says top three predictions. If you had to predict your top three candidates for who will be the bar in the upcoming season. And Mike, for the, the, the newer listeners who might not know, OGs will know the bar back in the day used to be NC State. And NC State, the reason that we referred to them as the bar was they were the team that they were pretty decidedly average. They beat everybody that they were supposed to beat. They beat nobody that they were not supposed to beat. They were, they were not above average. They weren't below average. They were just, they were the bar. They weren't raising it. They weren't lowering it. They were just the bar. So they it, basically <laughs> went anywhere between five and seven and seven and five. Yeah. I think it was pretty like decidedly seven and five, like every year for the first like three or four years of this podcast, basically. Yeah. Um, so Mike, with that being said, looking at it now, if there is somebody to be labeled the bar in 2023, who's your, who's your top candidate for that, that nomer? Who's my top, my top candidate, my number one candidate. If we had to pick three, you got to pick the first one. Can I make a joke (laughs) on this podcast? Absolutely not. No jokes. How no dare, jokes allowed. How dare I ask for permission to make a joke? <laughs> uh, could go full full cast and say we've never told jokes on this podcast. I uh, just want to get a big stretch in before I say Miami. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That feels right. Feels right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're getting back into the swing of things, baby. Just in time for season previews. There is there is a decent chance that they are like decent enough like if if you just like throw out the like Miami the U like ego nonsense there's a chance that they are decent enough to where like we can't really make fun of them but they're not like that good and i feel like right. that's a as a perfect place to be labeling a team that is the bar total improvement by the way yeah it's, it would be an improvement <laughs> like, over last year for sure it be, yeah it would be a total improvement it'd be Miami's like not going to be yeah, I mean, Miami's not going to, in my opinion, anyway, I don't think Miami's going to be, like, there yet under Cristobal. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they're there yet. So, mm-hmm. just improve from last year, and that would be the bar. Can I um, Can I make what, I don't know, it might be a little bit mean, might be a little bit of a joke, might be a little bit serious. Okay. NC State. <laughs> NC State post, I guess, with Ooh. Brandon Armstrong now, and and uh, not no post Tim Beck. Um, what, what's the oh gosh, Robert and I, I guess, has come down from Syracuse after being at Virginia, um, and but you've got Brandon Armstrong now. We're all like really assuming that that's just gonna work. It's gonna work really well, but is it? And by the way, like NC State is missing, I believe they have like four linebackers. Actually, sorry, three of them. I believe um, Peyton Wilson, I believe, is coming back. But the other three, like long-term, like heart of the defense linebackers are all gone. And I haven't looked at the schedule, but like there's there's a non-zero chance that this is like a minor reset year. For the Wolfpack, which say what I will about Dave Doran, whatever, like 
you know, I don't know that they're going to be terrible, but like they might kind of slip back into being a little bit just average in 23, if that's fair. Yeah, I do. I, I do think that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. it's changing coordinators, right? It's a change in quarterback. There's a lot of moving parts here, and th- it doesn't mean mm-hmm. it needs to be bad, right? Like the Robert and I change could be really good, and reuniting him with Brian Armstrong could be really good, and these things could work out. But there is a lot of change, right? There's change of coordinator. There's change of quarterback. Um, doesn't mean NC State's going to have a bad year, but could they slip back to your yep. point? Yeah, I think so. Do you have one more team, Mike? I've got I've got one more I might toss out here. Um, unless you have one more. Yeah, I got one. Um, <laughs> I I think Syracuse. Hmm. So now I don't think Syracuse is going to be very good. But I also don't think like they're going to be favored against a lot of teams, so I think they're just going to lose. I mean, go four and eight easily could go four and eight, right? And four and eight, yeah. They don't have Sean feels Tucker. Right. Four, four and eight feels good. It feels good to say that, doesn't it? Four he got feels right. Sean Tucker went to the NFL. He did. That's what I'm saying. So he's gone. Oh and yeah. Gary Trader's still there somehow. He is. So. <laughs> For better or worse, by the way, and that's that's a big reason why they're going to be the bar because Garrett Schrader's still there. He, he yeah, <laughs> that's a really good quarterback to be decidedly the bar. Like, yeah, we'll keep you in games. We'll not win you a whole lot of games. Yes, yes, he he will he will not win you a lot of games, but he'll throw plenty away. <laughs> so. Like, about passes or games because yes uh, we got it well <laughs> we got to be careful of that nowadays you know with the pole betting on football thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> gotta be in the longest yard reboot <laughs> like the fourth one of those paul crew slash garrett schrader <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i Excellent. i don't know if i could i don't know if i'm actually allowed to make this next joke but who's caretaker <laughs> Oh, Dino, no. Dino Babers? I don't think I can say that. Oh, no. no. Canceled. Scott, cut that. <coughs> Definitely cut that. Continue. Uh, so th- this is, you know, in a way, I feel like the, the, the expectations for this team coming into the season are low enough that this doesn't really apply, but I will just kind of preface – uh, preview season saying that I think there's a chance that it ends up applying. Georgia Tech mm-hmm. could mm. kind of be the bar this fall. Mm. And I don't think that they will be. You know, we won't be calling them that in the first month of the season. I mean, Louisville, South Carolina State, at Ole Miss, Wake Forest on the road, Bowling Green at Miami. But, like, what, what they do in that stretch – you could then look at them in the final half of the season and say they're a team that they're not going to beat anybody that they shouldn't, i.e. at Clemson, i.e. Georgia, but they might beat everybody they're supposed to, i.e. Boston College at home, i.e. at Virginia, i.e. home against Syracuse. Georgia Tech, starting the season, probably not a team you would refer to as the bar of the ACC, but like towards the end, I think there's a chance they could be. Very real chance. Hmm. 
Hmm. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> not trying to crush my hopes and dreams on uh, no. June 11th here? Well, no. No. <laughs> no. Not the resident Virginia Tech fan is not going to be crushing any hopes and dreams on this podcast. <laughs> The resident Virginia Tech fan is still trying to figure out what hopes and dreams are, uh, <laughs> what those feel like. Yeah, a, a forward pass, a completed forward <laughs> pass would be a good start. There's a yeah, I think I think I saw a a, a, a thing at the store the other day. It was a Rosetta Stone uh, about the forward pass. That oh my god, you want me to send that to you? I could I could. <sighs> Not since the inception of the forward pass have I had this much hope. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my bar is low like you're, we're talking about the bar the bar for me is low right so like complete a forward pass don't throw it 10 times to the other team like have a running game i i really hope there's like at least two to three virginia tech fans listening to this who are also south park fans who will get this reference if i say the the member berries reference <laughs> member gerard evans Member Logan Thomas? Member? Oh, I yeah. member. How about what just good like, times those were? How about just beating like two Power Five teams this year? <laughs> like, remember the Sugar Bowl? Member? God, I'm just. I want to get back to the now defunct Camping World Bowl. I think that would member be a- Beamer Bowl. Member. <laughs> Just get me to El Paso. Get me to a Sun Bowl, even. <laughs> it's like the only time you'll ever hear me say that. Watching God. Georgia Tech beat Emo Lane Kiffin's USC in the Sun Bowl was one of the like weirdest, most fun days as a college football fan. That was awesome. Greatest New Year's Eve ever. Yeah. It's back. That was the like, one where. Uh, Lane Kiffin's team stood up Paul Johnson's team for like the pregame dinner or whatever the day, day or two before. <laughs> and it was like, nobody stands up Paul Johnson for dinner. <laughs> Everybody freaks out. It was awesome. I loved it. Yeah. That's like when Virginia Tech fans wanted to boycott college game day because they wouldn't come to Frank Beamer's final game with Virginia Tech was like six and six. Ugh. Like that's shocking. That's shocking. They don't want to come to Blacksburg to watch Virginia Tech play. I think it was North Carolina. They were like, I think North Carolina, like in a late November game. And they wouldn't. It was Frank Bieber's final home game in Blacksburg. And they wouldn't come to that game. The Hokies were like four and six. Yeah. And then won the 11th game and then went out there. And you would have thought they were playing in the friggin' Super Bowl. Yeah. They're in like game 12 in Lane Stadium and like carried him off the field. And like uh, you would have thought, you know, that it was like the the best day ever, you know, kind of thing. And I mean, that's what you do to send off a legend, though. So no judgment here. Just when just go three and nine, even <laughs> on that note, Mike, might be time to get out of here. Yeah, um, if Scott didn't grab my unfortunate Dino Babers joke, I would like to apologize for that. If he did, thank God that you guys didn't hear that one. Bless Scott. Yes. Either way, bless Scott. I mean, Scott deserves yeah. better than us. Scott went to bed about Scott went to bed about forty five minutes ago. Which, I was gonna say, and I don't blame him. After my latest string of jokes, I probably should have also gone to bed forty five minutes ago. 
<laughs> Seems that way. Seems that way. So on that note, we're going to get out of here, Mike. Uh, I feel like this is the probably the proper time to announce that this is our season finale uh, for, <laughs> for what, season seven, eight? I forget. Seven. Let's go with seven. If you end the uh, season now, I can't get canceled. That's right. That's right. Um, for all intents and purposes, we are uh, done recording podcasts this off season before starting previews for the season. And if you're saying to yourself, like, this is kind of early for previews, yeah, yeah, it's kind of been that kind of off season. We got we got kind of start working at a leisurely pace here. So uh, we're going to come back in the next couple of weeks, start recording preseason previews. So keep it tuned here. Uh, we are committed to starting to get the uh, the stream of content coming your way here in the near future. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI together at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, you can find producer Scott at Severus Snipes on Twitter. Uh, go do that. Shout out to Scott. Uh, we are on iTunes. We're on Spotify. All the good places you go find your podcast. Go find us there. Hit the subscribe button, uh, the follow button, you know, whatever it is. Rate, review. We love that stuff. Um, I got to go check and see if we've gotten any reviews lately. I'm, I, I'm sure we have. And if not, then I don't know. It's fine. Somebody uh, somebody take care of that if you if you don't mind. Yes, Mike, do that. Where else can they? Uh, where else can they find us on the social medias? Uh, Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Basketball Conference Rate Review. Find our most recent podcast there because I think I did post the last one on there about a month ago. So, yep, yeah. And if you are going back and looking for the uh, 2022 Week Five recap, uh, I have bad news for you. <laughs> Seems to have been re- re- uh, removed for DMCA violations, which you know this is a a, a big business podcast that we're doing here, so. <laughs> understand why people would want to uh you know remove our show for financial economic reasons understood understood i mean is that the worst <laughs> thing that can happen to our podcast maybe i don't want to find out i hope so i don't want to find maybe. out maybe <laughs> i don't know how many legal challenges that llc has gotten but uh <laughs> i hope that's the worst thing that happens that llc is dead now so we got no protections baby <laughs> Don't say that out loud. Scott, edit that out. Edit that out, please. We're, we're going <laughs> raw now. You know? that's, that's, that's one way of saying it, yeah. Mike. Uh, yep. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> On that note, Mike, I think that's all I got. Anything else? This is slowly devolving into... <laughs> Instagram videos that you and I find on a weekly basis. <laughs> I just think we should end the podcast now. As I texted you two hours ago, we're in midseason form, baby. Let's go. Well, I think the beginning of that was. Um, let me just scroll up real quick. Uh, oh, you no. texted me at five nineteen and said still recording tonight because we talked about recording on this night earlier this week. I said thanks for reminding me. I'm in ten. I said ten Eastern. Joey responded with. Joey responded, by the way, almost three and a half hours Two later. Two hours later, yeah. He says, he says, I've more or less been drinking all day. So, And Scott's response, oh, God. And Joey, like you just mentioned, we're in midseason form. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, you know, when there's a local brewery that has its 29th anniversary, and uh, they celebrate by doing a tasting of 18 different uh, barrel-aged beers that are, you know, Minimum like ten percent alcohol on a day that's you know ninety six and humid in Houston. I mean, what, what you gonna do? That's that's as refreshing as refreshing gets, Mike. 
I saw your father-in-law put on Facebook, and he tagged you in it, so I saw it. He said, 29th anniversary of something, mm-hmm. which no truer words have been said. It's just an excuse to drink beer. Uh, that's, that's the perfect way to end this episode. Mike, it's the perfect excuse to drink beer. Done. Done.